I had a tea towel that said, a good friend is the one that'll come bail you out of jail. But a true friend is the one that's sitting beside you in the jail cell saying, I know we got in trouble, but man, wasn't that fun? Reba McIntyre. Welcome to my podcast, Living and Learning. Joining me is my co-host and very good friend, Melissa Peterman. Well, hey there. Now, we started this podcast because I am often curious about different aspects of life and how to navigate the changes that are constantly being made in society. Each week, we will be discussing a topic with the help and guidance of various experts and celebrity guests. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of friendship. And to help us get into it, we'll be talking to our old pal, Leslie Jordan. And later, we'll also talk with the wonderful and talented, beautiful, cute as she can be, Lauren Elena. I'm so glad you're listening. Now let's get into living and learning. So Reba, why is friendship still so important, even in adulthood? I think no matter how old you are, you need a friend. You need a friend to talk to, to bounce ideas off of. Whether it's a male or female, you've got to have friends. And, you know, if you've got a husband or a wife or 15 kids, you've got to have somebody that's not in the mix that you can just say, okay, I need to vent. And then you vent. They don't do anything. They listen. And you go on like nothing ever happened. But a friend is very important, don't you think? Oh, I agree. I think it's a red flag if you're dating somebody and they don't have any outside friends as adults. Like, I think that is so important. I think it's important for men, for women, for everyone to have somewhere else to go that is outside of your circle, your workplace, your family, where you just get to be Melissa and you're not mom. You're not the person there. So it's hugely important. I think it's important, too, that it not be, you know, if you're dating somebody and then his friends become your friends, he needs to have his friends. Yeah, agreed. And a marriage also. I think that's very important. Okay, so speaking of friends, do you remember do you remember when we became friends? Who are you? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Melissa Peterman, tall, oh, yeah. loud, blonde. Okay, Melissa, the first time I met you was when we were auditioning for the Reba show. For the Reba TV show. It wasn't the Reba show at first. It was Sally. So I walked in as just as we all did as well, actors. I still think it was sort of unfair because you had to fly in from your stint on Broadway to audition. And I thought, if you're on Broadway, do you need to come and audition? Twice. Yes, I auditioned twice, got the part. And uh, at, on the very first year, you were contracted for 17 of the episodes. The first episode we did together, I'm like, these people are crazy. This girl needs to be as many episodes as I'm in. And that's what happened. They just kept giving you more and more. But we had a blast that first episode, and we became fast friends. And then we would all go on vacations together. That was what was so cool about the whole cast. Well, We liked each other. The cast, the crew, the producers. We had a blast. We did. Well, well here's how I remember it, Okay, how we met. Because it's been almost, what, 20 years, going on 20 years? Mm -hmm. The first day, I remember being the first table read. So everyone's been cast. And we're going to come and read this first script. And you walked in, that voice that everyone knew you, we were all excited. And you walked up to everybody and you shook their hand. And you said, 
Hi, I'm Reba McIntyre. Like we needed your last name. I forgot. I have another Reba in my book club. And I just remember thinking, oh, you made everyone feel at ease. Everyone's a little nervous the first day of a TV I show. I, I'm nervous. We're all nervous. And you just walked in and we knew right away that it was going to be fun and like that you were going to make it fun. And I remember the first time you called and asked us out to dinner and wow. you called our house and... I didn't hang out with a lot of legends at that time in my life, Reba, so I kind of remember this. You called us, and you again, the same thing. I pick up the phone. You said, hey, Melissa, this is Reba McIntyre. I'm like, oh, oh, good. I thought it was my cleaning lady, Reba. And you said, I was wondering what you and John are doing. Do you want to join us for dinner? And I put my hand over the phone. I just said to John, like, she wants to go out to dinner with us. Why would she want to go out to dinner with us? It's insane. And we end up going to dinner and having fun and... I don't know. I just sort of thought, well, she's got so many awesome friends. What is she? I want to hang out with me and John Brady. Making new friends. Making that new friends. Was and so then, much fun. And then we start, that started to become the more comfortable and we started hanging out yeah. more and more. Yeah. And I remember it was that episode two of the wedding um, where we got to just have kind of our first like physical comedy. <laughs> it was just so felt much so fun. natural. And I think that first season, it just, I didn't think of you as, Reba McIntyre anymore. I really did just think of you as, oh, my friend Reba. And I, that was a big deal for me. And then me. we took the trip to Ireland trips. to the castle. We went on the cruise down Mexico, all of the, everybody just had so much fun. And the thing about doing a show like that, and I think um, a lot of people that, you know, when you have a job or, you know, you sometimes spend more time with the people that you work with and sometimes your own family. And I think when you're also in a sitcom or a series that specifically that you, have to sort of quickly bond because you're playing each other's mm -hmm. daughters, mothers, whatever. So that sort of fast forward stuff. But I just remember feeling I was nervous for a minute and then you immediately made it comfortable and then you made me laugh. And then you just through the years became, you know, more and more of a friend. And I trust you. I know you got my back no matter what. Ditto. You have my back. Ditto. You really get to know somebody when you travel with them. That's for sure. Uh -huh. And we got to spend a lot of times traveling. I know that you, you know, we know, we need to know where what's for lunch. You need to know that with Reba. What do you Three travel? meals a day. You got to have, know Three what you're eating. Yeah. But yeah, so it all started with the show. And I think about that show and how lucky I was for so many reasons. A, I got, my dream job came true as someone who wanted to be an actor. I got to be a series regular on a sitcom. But beyond that, I found lifelong friends. We're very lucky. And very also, lucky. I like you. You're fun to hang out with. Thanks. I like you a lot. Thanks. You're my bud. We recorded that, right? <laughs> so we have that, that she likes me a lot. What I look for in a friend is somebody that is funny, easy to get along with, is adventuresome, loves to eat. Bingo. Yeah. Nailed yeah. it. I think it's very important that you could tell them anything. And we've been there. Mm -hmm. And I love you for that. And I, I love you that I can tell you anything. That's very, very important. You know, you've got associates, you've got acquaintances. But when you have a true friend, that's the person that you can really bear your soul to and then hold your breath to see if they're still going to be your friend. Mm -hmm. Put it in the vault. Yeah. I always wondered, did you ever, were there people that you couldn't trust? Yeah. Definitely. And they're not my friends anymore or their associates. But yeah, that happens. The people that are around me that are my really good friends, I don't know that there's a common denominator except for 
down to earth. They're down to earth people. They're some are just spastic and crazy as a loon, but whoa, somebody was looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> but they're down to earth and they've got great morals and great heart. The reason why I say they're down to earth is because if they're down to earth, that makes me down to earth. There's no, oh, because you're up on stage in front of more people, that makes you bigger, better. Mm -hmm. Nope, nope. The people that I hang with know we're all here together. I've got two pictures in my bedroom closet, and it's me up against a window in New York City when we were doing press, and it's profiling, I'm thinking. And then right down here is another mixed tile of me on a horse in Montana at Mike Ingram's ranch, and me just kind of looking around like, yeehaw! That's the two Rebus. Yeah. I come out of that window, and I'm I'm the old, the little cowgirl that loves Annie Oakley. So that's what I, I love the stardom. I love the fame. I love the bright lights. And I love being able to call a restaurant and get in because my name's Reba McIntyre. But I also just like to be Reba. Yeah. That choked me up because that has such truth in it. Heart means the world to me. Because if a song has a heart and has a soul to it and meaning and make you feel something, that's the song I want to sing. If there's a story, a book, I want it to have heart. I can be entertained and still have heart. Mm -hmm. But the friends have to have heart. And I know they have to care. That's the common denominator. And I would say that the friends that we have in common and the ones that are in your circle, they all have heart. They all care. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't hang out with somebody who wasn't compassionate, mm -hmm. who didn't feel things for other people. Yeah. You, you can't be around that. Nope. Well, M Melissa, while we are both great friends, I'm sure there's still things we can learn about making new friends and holding on to old ones. That's really important. Hold on to the old ones, too. And uh, in just a little bit, we're going to be chatting with our old pal, Leslie Jordan. And then you'll want to stay tuned for our talk with Lauren Elena a little bit later also. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to welcome to our program Mr. Leslie Jordan. That's wonderful. I have to say that one of the few good things about this entire quarantine is that at least four million more people have discovered the beauty and the gospel of Leslie Jordan because your Instagram feed has been truly just making everyone get through these days. You are so amazing and so much fun. That is so sweet. It's my ministry. <laughs> I never thought I'd have a ministry. <laughs> but I I was doing a TV show called The Cool Kids mm -hmm. with uh, Vicki Lawrence and Martin Mull and David Allen Greer. Love and those publicity girls that hang around all the time, every time I'd <laughs> say something, they'd say, post it, post that. And I thought they meant those little post-its. I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> Oh, that they would said, take forever going door to door with those post-its. With those little post-its, making sure. And so one of them said to me, Mr. Jordan, you don't have Instagram? I said, oh, no, I wouldn't even know how. So they signed me up. Well, within a few days, I had 20,000 followers. And I'd go to work. I said, you got 20,000 20, people. And they'd go, well, that's nothing. I said, what do you mean 20,000 people want to hear what I have to say? And then Megan Mullally reposted something of mine. Of course, she has a huge following from Will and Grace. And I had 
80,000 followers at X. Oh, my God. And I said, y'all, who are these fools want to hear what I have to say? 80,000 people. And then I don't know how it happened. You know, you look back and think in school, like, who was popular and who wasn't and how it, did it happen? And, you know, you, people try to be popular. And, they, and a friend of mine called, and I wasn't trying to be funny. I was in Tennessee with my mother. And he said, Leslie, you've gone viral. And I said, no, honey, I'm fine. I'm here with mama. I thought he meant the coronavirus. <laughs> he said, you've gone viral. And I kept saying, no, I'm with mama. I'm fine. We're going to hunker down here. <laughs> <laughs> Look on the internet. And I'm telling you, I had all of a sudden almost 5 million followers. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm not surprised. Good Lord, you're so funny. And what you come up with, I, I am just flabbergasted. But honey, I'm Ray McIntyre famous now. I can't get down the street. Uh, Nancy, people holler at me and listen, my following is 85% girls. I said, well, there you go. That's like it was when I was growing up. My poor old daddy, he was a lieutenant colonel in the Army, and he would say to mother, now, why does he only have girlfriends, Peggy? That's how he comes <laughs> You know why you're here today, because you are our friendship expert. Friendship expert. Yeah, you are. How about that? You're so good at it. You've got so many friends. You've got 5 million friends. 5 million friends. So we figure you're the one to go to. And anyone who's come in contact with you, whether it's been one time, two times, or even for 30 seconds, they will never forget it. You are so kind. You've probably told them a story and they'll never forget you. Like everyone feels like you are their friend immediately. It's just the way I was raised. It's the way I was brought up, you know. Well, that's perfect. Well, what are your five tips of being a good friend? Well, I think to be a good friend, first of all, you have to learn to listen, which is not the easiest for me. You know, a friend wants to tell you stuff and you've got to learn to listen, which is really hard for me. You know, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, well, then back to me. (laughs) (laughs) I think number two to be a, a good friend is to be able to be there for people. You know what I mean? They've got to know that no matter what time or day it is, if there's a crisis, they're going to call you. I'm good at that. Also, I won't loan money. You can't be a good And let me tell you what's crazy. When I started getting all of these internet friends, my friends would call me up and I think, I hadn't heard from you in a while. Something's up. I'm going to get an ask out of this. <laughs> Here comes the ask. And they say, well, why don't you post this, you know, on your page uh, about me or something, trying to up their things. But you know what? I think the secret to me being a good friend on Facebook is that I don't do that. I don't push. I don't tell you what to do. I don't say, you know, you know to wear your mask. You know, you know, I don't do that. It's not about that. I haven't made any money on it quite yet. Mm -hmm. I had decided, I said, listen, I'm not going to do sponsors. I mean, my mailbox in Los Angeles, the mailroom is packed to the ceiling. People send you things, you know, they think you're going to mention, oh, you wouldn't believe what I, but I don't. Sorry about all those Melissa t-shirts I sent you. Yes. And I wear, this is my new t-shirt. Look at these. The Hunker Downers. I bought some, I bought some merch. I bought the one to support. Listen. Oh, my (laughs) saying. 
That's oh. how I decided. But I'm giving a lot of that money to charity. But you have to be free spirited. No tight asses are allowed to wear this t shirt. <laughs> so it's don't loan money and don't preach at people. Be available. And it's just like your mama said, honey, to have friends, you've got to be a friend. You've got to be everything to your friends that you would want in a friend. It's funny, as you get older, I'm 65 now, I've noticed that it's not that friends fall along the wayside. It's that as you get older, you get more homebound, shall we say. (laughs) I made a decision. I'm not making this up. When I turned 60, I'm 65. I said, you know what? At six o'clock, the curtain goes down. I'm not going to go out. I don't like to go out at night. And people say, well, you can go to dinner with us. Uh-uh. I don't want to. <laughs> I'll go I to love it. With you. And every night at six o'clock, that curtain goes down. And I'm in my pajamas. And I've been happier now than I've ever been. You can tell your friends, I don't want to. They go, well, come on. You <laughs> You know, and and I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I'll go to lunch with you. We'll go to lunch anytime you want. But at six o'clock, the curtain goes down, and I think that's a lot to do with friendship. They're not going to get upset if you say, "I don't want to do that. I don't want to." They're yeah. not going to get yeah. mad. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Who's been your true friend throughout all of the times in Hollywood showbiz and life? Like, who's your best? Friend? I have a, a real dear friend in Washington. That's my best friend, and he has been through all of it. He works for the Secret Service, and he's got this wonderful job. He takes care of Mrs. Obama. Wow. Isn't that something? It is. And I got to meet her. They were out in Palm Springs, and he was watching after. And uh, her uh, executive assistant wanted to bring her to see my one-man show. I said, oh, it's at an old gay bar called Two Cans. <laughs> and I said, talk awful. <laughs> we can't have her coming in there. Well, what we did was, on a Sunday night, we closed the bar, and she brought about six or seven of her friends. This was a year or so ago. She brought some of her friends in, and I did my show for six people. And they hollered and carried on and had the best time. Oh. So she's my new best friend, Mrs. Obama. <laughs> you oh, name dropper. I love it. That's so cute. Do you have any advice for making new friends when it's later in life like it's not as easy as when we were in kindergarten and junior high it's harder no I think one way the beginning is these online chat groups of course you can meet some crazies but I hear about people all the time you know meeting up with this and you know what I think you've got to find some someone has your interest you know what I mean I've garnered a whole new set of friends over there at the Los Angeles Equestrian Center just (laughs) horse people and, you know, horse people can be everybody from the richest woman on, in town to the guy shoveling the horse manure. You know, we, we just have a, a love of horses. you got to get out. Oh, that's it. I don't get out. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> okay. Is there anybody that you kind of think in the back of your mind, oh, I'd like to be friends with them? Dolly. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Okay, well, that's it. You guys will be <laughs> friends tomorrow. She she finds out about this. It'll be right there. Maybe someday. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I think Reba's right. I think the minute she hears this, she's going to be calling you and setting it up. Absolutely. <laughs> First time I ever met you, I knew we were going to be friends. When you came oh. on to do the Reba TV show, it was instant. I loved oh. your humor. I loved your, you were so outgoing. And then... 
even in front of the cameras, you were just hysterical, but you're the same all the time. That's what I love about you. Well, thank you, sweetheart. You're very welcome. Once again, my sweet mother. Oh, y'all, I wish I could, y'all could meet her. She's so funny. She doesn't know she's funny, but, you know, she'll tell me. You weren't raised that way. I heard you on that one program saying that bad word. I'll tell you a really <laughs> quick story. We'll wind it up. One time, I had to dress up in drag for this silly AIDS event. It was Bob Mackey, and they were going to have all the supermodels wear his designs down the runway. They asked me what I put on a Bob Mackey little outfit. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, it ended up in the National Enquirer, and my mother was horrified. This is a long before RuPaul made drag mainstream. Why would grown men want to dress up like women and lip sync to songs? Nobody had figured that out yet. And my mother said, you've been in that magazine. I can't even go to Sunday school, Leslie. <laughs> There's no telling what the ladies will say. Well, I went to one of my myriad rooms of recovery. We won't get into all that, but I hadn't <laughs> had a drink in 22 years. I sat next to Carrie Fisher. And I told her, I said, my mama was mad at me. She said, you seem down. I said, well, I was in a magazine in drag and she's mad. My mother's mad at me. Well, we were leaving the meeting and Carrie said to me, Leslie, somebody wants to speak to you on the telephone, handed me her telephone. It was Debbie Reynolds. Stop it. No. That little voice. She said, Leslie, this is Debbie, Carrie's mother. <laughs> She said, give me your mama's telephone number. I said, what? She said, I've been through this. She said, when that woman stole my husband, that woman, she's talking about Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, my gosh. She said, my mother called me from Texas and said to me, I hope you're not planning on a divorce, Debbie, because, you know, you live in Hollywood where people get divorced. I live in this small Texas town and it's not accepted divorce. Oh. And I said, that's what my mother said. My mother said, Leslie, you're out there parading around in that outfit. And I'm in this small southern town. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, Debbie Reynolds called my mother. To this day, my mother was like, well, you know, honey, uh, I was talking to Debbie the day Reynolds. And she said, but Debbie told her, she said, Peggy, the parts that he plays in Hollywood cannot be a reflection on the way that you raised him. Sometimes we have to do things that are against, you know, but it, it, the minute we say, oh, I don't do that, I'm not going to take that part, then they'll quit calling. And she said, Peggy, she told me, isn't that sweet? Though? It That's is. so sweet. And now my mother is so much more accepting of, because I'll call her, because she always says, the gay, 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 is that all you can play? And I offered him what I'm best at. She said, well, I mean, it just seems like, I, she just doesn't like me to be all, you know, uh, nearly acting. And <laughs> um, I can't let you go until I ask you to say this, and I hope it won't make your mama or Peggy mad, but because you say it, it's my favorite thing you say in Instagram. And you know what I want. Will you say it for me? Well, shit. What are y'all doing? <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank <laughs> you. I've had she so gets- much fun. I wish y'all the best with this. Oh, Thank Leslie, you. let's get together when all this quarantine stuff goes away. Let's get together again, please. Let's do. I'd love that. Love I you really to pieces. Okay, y'all. 
And listen, I will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And I get out of here. Oh, no, you can't no. leave. We're not letting you go. <laughs> Oh, my God. I could have listened to him for days. He is hysterical. I'm not surprised five million people. I am not at all surprised. And it like I think it doubled during like when quarantine, it just was like exploding. And follow him on Instagram because he's so funny. He's an absolute treasure and a pleasure. He's a treasure pleasure. He's a treasure pleasure. We love him, absolutely. Coming up after the break is my good friend, Lauren Elena. So y'all stick around. Ladies and gentlemen, Lauren Elena. <laughs> How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Oh, doing great. Melissa and I have been having so much fun on our podcast, Living and Learning. So we thought we'd bring you in on a little topic called friendship. But first of all, let's just talk about how you and I got to know each other. Remember you singing Turn on the Radio on American Idol? Yes. (laughs) I'm so flattered you did that. It was a great song. Why did you pick that song to sing on American Idol? Well, it was like my favorite song at the time. And I've been obsessed with Reba as long as I have been obsessed with music. I don't know if I can't be. She's the queen. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. I grew up singing all your songs. I was the karaoke queen in Rossville, Georgia. It's true. I looked it up. And also, I was thrilled to death. I'll never forget that night that I got to present you with your first CMT award for Breakthrough Artist of the Year. That was so thrilling. I was just so excited for you on that. Oh, that was the best. And then when you called me and told me I won my ACM and made my entire life, (laughs) I think you're my good luck charm. Well, I think so, too. Yeah, you can't break up with me now, girl. (laughs) I'll never break up with you, Miss Reba. (laughs) So was the first time you officially met like face to face? Was it at the CMT Awards? Was it before then? Was it? After American Idol? I think we met after American Idol briefly at one of the award shows, but I feel like I've kind of gotten to know her better in the last couple of years. I think it was, yeah, after it was an award show, but it was like during rehearsals or something. It wasn't the official, we're all pressed for time, get to your seats and all that kind of stuff. That's the best I can remember. (laughs) Oh, but what about the time you interrupted the press conference at the ACMs, you know, after the award show, so you could get a picture with me? That was so cute. Everybody loved that. You came (laughs) hopping up on the stage. (laughs) I literally, I'm so sorry I did that. I was just so excited. It was such a big day for me, and I wanted to hug you and say thank you and get it. I got a selfie out of that deal, too. No need to apologize on that. I (laughs) thought it was precious. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, you both, you, you obviously you've met lots of people and lots of artists in your life. How did you know when you met each other that you two would become friends? I was just drawn to you because you are so energetic and love life. I do love life and I love you. (laughs) I was so excited when I started chatting with you and you're everything that people want you to be. You know, it's always really nice to meet one of your heroes, because you don't know what they're like in real life. Do you remember when you gave me your salad at the ACMs? <laughs> Wait, what? 
Wait, I need so, to hear more so, because she does not share her salad easily, Lori. So, so this is hysterical. It was a crazy day. And Reba and I have a mutual friend. My manager, Trisha, worked with Reba for years and years and years and years. So I felt like, thanks to Trisha, that was my little end to Reba because I was like, oh, if, if Trisha thinks I'm funny, Reba's going to think I'm funny because they're friends. So this is going to work <laughs> out great. But Trisha uh, was like panicking going down the hallway because I don't know, something happened with my lunch and it didn't get delivered or something. And we had to do rehearsal. <laughs> and Trisha was walking down the hallway and Reba stopped Trisha and said, Trisha, what's wrong? And <laughs> Trisha was like, nothing, nothing, everything's fine. <laughs> Reba said, I know you, Trisha, what's wrong? And she said, Lauren's lunch didn't make it. She said, well, I've got a beet salad. Does she like beets? And she gave me her salad. <laughs> <laughs> and that you is know, the fastest way to be my friend. You give me your food, oh, food? we're best friends oh. for life. <laughs> Heck yeah, girl. Oh my gosh. I love that. Who's your best friend? My best friend is a girl named Sarah Beth. How'd you meet her? It's such a random story. She gave you her beet salad. No, but she would. <laughs> <laughs> that that's reserved just for Miss Reba. I was playing a show at Belmont. I actually had a really hard time making friends after Idol because I became a country music singer with a record deal at 16. And so all of my friends were still in high school and I started touring. And for a long time, I really had a hard time finding friends. Mm -hmm. And I played a show at Belmont, which is where Sarah Beth went to college and it was Halloween and she had on like a kitty cat costume or something. <laughs> she had like a, she had like a kitty nose painted on her face and I had finished up my show and I was standing on the campus passing football with the, and if you know us, I'm the tomboy and she's the girlier one. So it's like perfect. And I was, tossing football with these guys and she walked by and I said I love your costume where are you going and she said I'm going to a Halloween party and they were dressing up and we met and she's very striking she has beautiful blonde curly hair you just don't forget her she stands out you know and a few months later she was volunteering for the CMA awards what one of the award shows and she uh was an escort and I saw her and I was like I think that you're the girl with the kitty cat costume. Wow. And she's like, I was. And then she just sent me these pictures yesterday, actually. We took pictures in the photo booth. You know how they always have photo booths backstage? Yeah. We took pictures in the photo booth and exchanged phone numbers. And it was nine years ago. And we've been like best friends ever since. How but sweet. It was such a random way to come together. And then she actually introduced me to my entire friend group that I have now because I didn't know people my age. Right. You got to have that contact. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Do you think it's really important to have friends outside of the music business, have friends in, but also outside to kind of balance things? It has been extremely helpful to me to have both because uh, it's nice to have people to understand. Like one of my greatest friends in the world is Lindsay L and she's another artist. So we can have conversations about like touring and this pandemic has been so hard and we're not touring and our identities kind of been stripped from us and we're having to be creative and go through all of that. We both went through a breakup around the same time. And so just being artists in the public eye, going through breakups, it's nice to have those friends, but it's also nice to have friends that I come home to and they're like, they know nothing about what I'm doing. 
they are like, wait, you did what? Uh-huh. What does it even mean to get a conversion on the radio? Can you explain to me what that means? And <laughs> it's, it's a like, great balance to have it those is, friends I think it's like important that. to have both because they provide a lot of normalcy for me, which I think is so important because mm-hmm. I'm on stage and it's just, it's amazing and I love it, but I also want to come home and wear my Leslie Jordan t-shirt and yes. have game night. So yeah. it's important. Good. Do you still have friends from like childhood, first, second grade? I do. I have a friend, Jerrica. She's like my lifelong friend. She has a daughter too. All my friends have kids. I'm like, I'm just, I can't even take care of myself. I've got to get a friend. <laughs> I brush my teeth in the morning and before I go to bed. And if I had to tell somebody else to do that, I would be panicked. But <laughs> Yeah, Jarek and I have been friends since we were kids. And Good. actually, you know who else? I have a lifelong friend in Kane Brown. We grew oh, up together. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, we're from the same town. Uh, we, we sang together in choir in sixth grade. How cool. So Did that was really that. nice when, when he came to town. And I'll never forget it. I was at an agency party, just like one of those parties. Yeah. And I was walking through and I saw Kane. And I was like, Kane? And I looked at Trisha and said, I went to middle school with that guy. I've known him my whole life. <laughs> That's so funny. Like T-ball. Yeah. It's been nice to have him in town. Someone that knows me from before. Good. And then we had What Ifs together, which was the biggest song of our careers. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It was like a good little celebration of our friendship. Wow. That makes it even more special for me to listen to that song now that I know that. Well, Reba, we hear it from your music and you say it all the time that how important like your girlfriends are to you. Like, you know, things come and go in your life, men come and go, and that the women, the friendships you have with other women are so important. So Lauren, what's important to you in your female friends? Like, what do they give you that you don't get anywhere else? Oh my goodness. Unconditional love. I'm telling you, I have a group of girls, uh, Sarah Beth, Caitlin, Trisha, Eden, Molly, I have a really good group of women around me that, first of all, when I catch the uglies, they make me feel pretty. And we all catch the uglies where we wake up and we're like, oh, I don't I don't know if I can go to the ACMs this week. And then Mary and Amber and Trisha and Molly are like, what are you talking about? You look great. They just empower me in a way that I sometimes can't even do for myself. And I actually wrote a song called If I Was My Best Friend. I went through a really brutal breakup last year. And all of my girlfriends were saying to me, if this was me, what would you want me to do? Oh, good. Would you want me to stay in this? Would you want me to be with someone that treated me this way? And what would you want to hear from me? Or what would you want to say to me? That was so, such an interesting thought for me because I was like, I would say, run, girlfriend, like as fast as you can, hit the road. Mm-hmm. Every one of them said it, but I think it was actually my friend Caitlin that finally said it. And I thought, oh, if someone treated you like that, I wouldn't be able to handle it. And your girlfriends can kind of shift your perspective. Well, they can mm-hmm. make you see something clearer that you can't see for yourself. So true. Yeah, it was really helpful. I mean, my girlfriends in the last year have rallied around me and helped me so much because breakups are hard, especially when they're very public. And I didn't know how to navigate that. And one of my girlfriends, Ainsley, did a Bible study with me. Caitlin and Megan took me to church. Everybody kind of rallied around me and and held their own space in my life. Trisha made me laugh until I cried. (laughs) She's good at that. 
She is. All the women in my life kind of hold a different space for me. And I realized how fortunate I am to have such a great group of women around me because when you go through something really hard, like a heartbreak, those women carried me through that time. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I love it. It's the truth. I have found that as I get older and friendships you have with your female friends or my girlfriends are the more important. And again, maybe I don't have as many as you, you know, when you're in high school and college and it's all about the quantity. It's like now it's, it's been sort of, you know, near that you call the herd to the quality. And those are your, that's your support group and you need them. You can have a great relationship. You can have a family, but nothing can replace the kind of things that girlfriends can give you. They're like your little superheroes. Mm -hmm. So Reba, you know, Lauren was saying that she's always looked up to you. Do you think it's really important for you as an artist to nurture younger country artists that are coming up in a mentoring sort of way? I don't know that I mentor so much as just befriend and support. That's a mentor. I think that might be the definition. I think that's the definition of mentor. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, you you are a mentor. But just just that communication of I'm behind you, I got your back, is there anything I can do for you? That's what I think is very important for the ladies of country music, of any music, of any company, of any workplace, community, church, for the women to stay together, have each other's backs, and to be able to comfort or support, just to listen, helps an awful lot. Yeah. And for the ones that have been there and done that, to give you some advice because you've been through it. Right. And Lauren, have you had anybody in your circle or younger artists than you come up to you and ask you questions or ask for help? I have. I mean, a lot of them, they feel like my peers. So I don't know that I'm in a place of like really being able to mentor anyone yet. But I feel like like with Lindsay, she and I chat about it all the time. And I would say we're both early on in our career. But it is really nice to be able to talk to someone who understands. And I think I signed my record deal a few years before her. So just kind of, I went through the radio tour thing before her. And so when she was doing that, we were talking about how you don't get to sleep and you don't don't do anything. But the importance of like really sticking to what you know is true about yourself and what you want to do. And then I have little girls that come up to me at shows. I wouldn't say they're necessarily artists yet, but future maybe artists. Never know. Seeing the impact that my music has on them and seeing their videos online, singing my songs. And I can't even explain how that makes me feel. And if someone could ever someday feel about me the way that I feel about you, that would be like, the best. The Thank fact that you. you asked me to do this podcast, I was so excited. I am so excited. <laughs> you really have been in my corner. And to have Reba McIntyre in your corner is like a big deal. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. Thank really you. I'm is. very proud of you and everything that you've accomplished. And you're a hey. good girl. I really do mean that. But Lauren, what are the marks of a true friend? Ooh. The most important thing is honesty. Yeah. And showing up just showing up and being there for that person in whatever capacity that they need at the time. And it's probably going to change all, it changes all the time. Mm -hmm. The most important thing for friendship is showing up and being there and being honest. Yeah. I had a tea towel that said, a good friend is the one that'll come bail you out of jail. But a true friend is the one that's sitting beside you in the jail cell saying, I know we got in trouble, but man, wasn't that fun? <laughs> that is the best. I've seen that. And that is the truth. 
Lauren, what we do on our podcast, we do a little game. Mm-hmm. And Melissa loves her games. I do love my games. So, Lauren, are you up for a little game? Bring it on. We're going to play a little game today called What Would Reba Do? WWRD. So, Lauren, I'm going to give you a few little different scenarios, and then you and I are going to say what we think Reba would do in that moment. And then Miss McIntyre will tell us what she really would do. So, we'll see how well. We know Reba. Okay. Here's the first scenario. You've scored a table at the hottest new restaurant after we can go to restaurants. It has gotten incredible reviews, but it's one of those places where all the food, it's really tiny on those tiny little plates, you know, tapas. Six courses later and you are still starving. You're going to need a second dinner, but you don't want to offend your dinner date. Lauren, what would Reba do? (laughs) Uh, Go home and order a pizza. (laughs) Good call. Good what call. What do you think? Well, I don't think you'd go to that restaurant in the first place. You'd be like, why are we going? Why are we going someplace that only has tiny little plates? Let's go someplace where you just get a big plate to start off. That's what I think you'd do. Be like, I don't want to go there. I know where I want to go. Somewhere else. That's what I say. What would you do, Reba? Well, I think I'd try to find a Sonic and go in there and order an, uh, an iced tea with some Sonic ice and uh, footlong cheese coney. And some tater tots. Oh, oh my God. And some tater tots. That would be dessert was tater tots. And a cherry, cherry limeade. Oh, I do love a cherry limeade. I love me some Sonic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Number two, WWRD, what would Reba do? Reba didn't check her calendar and she accidentally double booked. She said yes to drinks with Lauren and to a dinner date with Melissa. It's an hour until their plans when she notices her mistake. She's double booked. What would Reba do? Well, I think she would just invite us both, tell us to combine our little dates. That's exactly what I'd say. I think she would say, you know what? I'm going to make sure I'm going to bring them all together for drinks and dinner. She would invite us both. That's what she would do. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'd do. Okay. Okay, here we go. We're on a girl's trip in wine country. We're out in the vineyards having a very cute and classy time tasting wine until one of the gals... I don't know who gets a little bit tipsy and starts causing a scene. What would Reba do? I feel like Reba might be the one causing the scene. (laughs) (laughs) I think think she'd have to be tipsy to do it. I think that's a very strong possibility that she might be the one who's a little bit tipsy. Or it could be, she might also be, she would say, Melissa, you act tipsier than me. So no one knows how tipsy I am. And I'd be like, on it, on it. And I would full on cause a bigger scene. So they look at the other drunk girl. So then the little, the one who's everyone would recognize could slowly just get away in a car while I probably get arrested. But she would bail me out after. So, am I right? And I guess y'all call me to bail you out. (laughs) There you go. I just have to say, $5 a ticket, because she puts on a good show. (laughs) Start charging them. (laughs) All right. That was our game. Good job, ladies. Well done. Well done. This was so much fun. Lauren, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. You've given us a great insight of how we can become better friends. And I hope that our listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have had you on the show. Be safe, stay healthy, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you. You too. Bye, guys. Bye, Lord. Bye-bye. Oh, man, what an amazing first show. Talking to Leslie was just hysterical, as always. He's a character. I don't care where he is. 
And I even think we learned a thing or two from our old pal about friendship in general. I love what he said about being to your friends what you need in a friend, like being able to say no to a real friend and they accept it. They don't get mad. That to me is the mark of a good friend that you can say no and they're not going to get angry. That's true. Yeah, I love that. Well, thanks so much to our guests, Leslie Jordan and Lauren Elena, and you too, Melissa. Thank you Aww. for your friendship and for being my co-host. I love you a bunch. Oh, it's very mutual. I treasure our friendship. I love doing this together. And I can't wait to see what we're going to learn together on this Me podcast. Too. I think it's going to be great. So to all our listeners, thanks so much for listening today to our very first episode of Living and Learning. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode. We'll see you then on Living and Learning. Living and learning, we're loving to live and we're yearning to learn and we're earning and learning. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'll work on okay, it. Okay, well, all right. Next week. Thanks so much for listening to our first episode of Living and Learning with Reba McIntyre. If you liked this episode and want more, head on over to Spotify for another episode that is available right now. You'll get to hear me and Melissa chat with my dear friend Dolly Parton about how she forged her own path in life. We learned a lot and we think you will too. We'll also be launching new episodes every Monday, only on Spotify. Hope to see you there. Living and Learning with Reba McIntyre is a Spotify original podcast. Hosted and produced by me, Reba McIntyre, and my dear friend, Melissa Peterman. Our executive producers are Liz Gately, Yasi Salek, Gina Delvac, Danny Trebatch, and Justin McIntosh. Also produced by Dylan Rupert. Michael Hardman is our editor. Original music is composed by Doug Sizemore. Special thanks to Cultivated Entertainment, Leah Edwards, Alec Nelson, Robert Adler, and Casey Simonson for production support. <laughs>